Somebody who owns a pit within somebody else's house. For example, if Ruvain had a pit within his within his own house, and he sold the pit to Shimon, but the actual house and all of the land around the pit still belongs to Ruvain. He only sold the pit, as well as the right to reach the pit, and to take water from it, he sold that to Shimon. But again, the land itself and the house itself is still entirely owned by Ruvain. Since Shimon bought from Ruvain the right to reach the pit, as well as the pit itself, he's allowed to do so, but he can only enter Ruvain's house in order to get to his own pit at a time that people generally enter into Ruvain's house, i.e. during the day and not during the night. And he can leave the pit. He can exit from being right next to the pit and go through Ruvain's domain again in order, in order to leave his house. Only at a time that people generally leave again only during the daytime. But you would not be allowed to wake up Ruvain in the middle of the night in order for Shimon to be able to get to his own pit. It is assumed that Shimon only bought the right to get to his pit and Reuven only gave him that right to go through his own property to the extent that it is necessary for him to use the pit. But it's not considered necessary for him to use it during the night time, and therefore it's assumed that Reuven never gave him permission to go through his domain during the night. Alright, and the Mishnah adds, Shimon is not allowed to bring in his animal into Reuven's domain and bring it next to the pit and give it to drink from the pit. Because since it is possible for him to bring the water outside of Ruvain's domain and to give the animal to drink over there, it is assumed that Ruvain never gave Shimon the right to bring his animal through his domain. And again, he only gave him the rights to do what is necessary, and that's for Shimon himself to go into and through Ruvain's domain and to fill up water from the pit. But more than that is unnecessary, and it is assumed that Ruvain never gave permission for more than that to be done by Shimon in his property. The main idea which we see is that even though Shimon has the right to reach his pit through Ruvain's property, nevertheless we don't view it as if he owns that part of the property in order to get to his pit. It is still totally owned by Ruvain. He just owns the right of passageway. Rather, he would need to, Shimon would need to fill up water from the pit and take it outside of Ruvain's domain and then feed his animal outside. And this one would make a key for the pit, and the other one would make a key for the pit. Shimon can make a key, he can put a lid on top of the pit and lock it in order to make sure that Ruvain doesn't take any water of his. It would be very easy for Ruvain to do so if it's in Ruvain's domain, then at any time that Shimon is not there, for example during the night, where Shimon is not allowed to be there at all, Ruvain would have the chance to take part of the water for himself. And therefore Shimon is able to put a lock over there to prevent that happening. As well as that, Ruvain is able to put a lock on Shimon's pit so that Shimon won't come and use the pit whilst Ruvain is not there. And this is for a totally different reason so that Shimon doesn't end up entering Ruvain's house when Ruvain is not there. And people might come to suspect him of inappropriate behavior with Ruvain's wife. So this way we would make sure that Shimon would only ever enter when Ruven is there, because only then would he be able to get to his pit and the water, since Ruven would unlock the pit.
on a similar note, somebody who owns a garden within or right behind somebody else's garden. Again, we'll say Shimon owns a garden behind Ruin's garden, and in order to get there, he needs to go through Ruin's garden, and he has the right to do so. But again, he doesn't own that area, and so his rights through Ruin's property are very limited. He can only enter at a time that people generally do so, and leave through Ruven's garden at a time that people generally leave, meaning during the daytime. He is not allowed to bring merchants and other people through Ruven's garden in order to get to his own garden, because he only has the right for himself to go through Ruven's garden, but not for other people to do so. As well as that, since he doesn't own it, he has the right of passageway through Ruven's field to his own field, to his own garden. And that is the entire permission which he has. But He's not allowed to, even himself, is not allowed to go through Ruvain's garden in order to reach a different field as a shortcut. The only rights that he has within Ruvain's field, excuse me, within Ruvain's garden, is to get to his own garden. Right, now since Ruvain remains the full owner over this area as well, it's just that Shimon has the rights of passageway as well, the Achitzen Zoyas the owner of the outer garden, i.e. Ruvain, has permission to plant that pathway whatever pathway he chooses to give to Shimon as the passageway, Reuven is allowed to plant that area. It might be a bit more difficult for Shimon to go through the garden, but he's allowed to do so because the land belongs to Reuven. However, says the Mishnah, If they gave Shimon a pathway on the side of Reuven's garden by the agreement of both of them, so even here, the land still belongs to Reuven. However, the difference is that by giving him an area on the side of the, of the garden, it is understood that that area is given up totally for the sake of Shimon using it to get to his pit. Difference being that Ruben won't be able to plant there. Says the Mishnah, firstly, the Yetziv Shashu writes there, Shimon is now allowed to enter and leave through Ruben's garden at whatever time he likes. Because even though he doesn't own the la- the pathway, he has absolutely full rights on the pathway to the extent that he is using it for himself to get to the pit. So he can go through there at any time. He can bring merchants through there. Because again, that is for, that is for the sake of getting to his pit. Anything to do with the passageway to his pit, he has total rights over. The only point is that he is not allowed to use that pathway in order to use it as a shortcut to get to a different field, because concerning getting to a different field, he has no rights to Ruin's field. The entire right that he has is only to the extent that it concerns passageway to this garden. And neither Ruin or Shimon have permission to plant that area on the side of the garden, which has been designated for Shimon to use to get to his garden. Ruin is allowed to because he's given it over to Shimon to use as passageway. Even though he's still the owner, he can't do anything which will interfere or make it more difficult for Shimon to get to his field. And the reason why Shimon cannot plant that area is, of course, because Shimon is not the owner. He only has the full rights to it to the extent that it's relevant to him reaching his garden. But he's not the owner that he would be able to plant that area himself. Somebody who had a public pathway passing through his field. Either he designated this to the public, or it's already become common that the public 
go through part of his field as a shortcut somehow. So that's considered belonging to the public. Now what happens if the owner of this field, the toller, he took it away, and he replaced that pathway which the public had going through the middle of his field with a very similar pathway going through the side of his field. Says the Mishnah, firstly, the pathway which he has given over to the public, he has given over. And that is a valid gift to the public and would belong fully to them. Once somebody has given an area to the public domain, he cannot retract and it would now fully belong to the public without the option to go back on it. But at the same time, his own pathway, meaning the pathway which he took away from the public for himself in order to replace it with a different pathway, that doesn't reach him, that he doesn't deserve, meaning he is not able to acquire something which was designated for the public. It's designated for the public, and they have the rights to that area. This individual is not able to uproot the rights of the public. There are certain members of the public where going through the middle of this person's field is going to be more convenient than going to the side. So he is negatively affecting certain people by moving it, and he hasn't got the right to do that, so it would emerge that we end up with both the old pathway and the new pathway belonging to the public, and this person who tried to change the place where the public would go through his field loses out. Right, continues the Mishnah, a private pathway. For example, somebody sells another person the right to a private pathway for him to go through his field. How much does he need to give him of his field? Not that he gives him, but how much of his field does the buyer have the rights to go through? Arba Amais, an area with a width of four Amis. If somebody sells another person a public pathway going through his field, the size of a public pathway, how large is that? That would be 16 Amis wide. The way of a king, the halacha is one of the unique laws which apply to a king, is that he has the right to go through anybody's field that he likes, and even if there is a fence around the field, if he wants to go through it in order to get somewhere else, he has full permission to even knock down the fence and to go through another person's field according to his wishes. Now, how much of a person's field can he go through? Says the Mishnah, there's no amount. He's allowed to go through somebody else's field as much as he likes, and he doesn't need to try and make sure that he uses the smallest amount of the other person's field. He even has the right to knock down the fence, all right? Derech ha-kever, the way of a uh, pathway of the grave, and Lashira also has not got a fixed amount. This is referring to something which the Chachomim decreed, that on the way to a burial, those who are accompanying the dead body are allowed to go through anybody's field in order to get directly and more quickly to the graveyard. However, the difference is that if there is a fence around this particular field, then they haven't got the right to knock down the fence. That a king has the right to do. Here they haven't got the right to do that, but if there is no fence around the field, then they do have the rights to go through that field in order to get to the graveyard quicker. And so again, the mission says, in Oshira, there's no fixed amount, meaning even if it takes a large width of the field to get through there, they have the total rights to go through that field. Hamaimud, uh, coming to a stand, to a halt, this is referring to the practice which existed during the times of the Mishnah, that on the way back from a burial, the people who had accompanied the dead body would walk for a bit and then sit down, 
and cry and eulogize the dead body. And then they would carry on walking and then sit down again and do the same thing. And they would do this seven times. Now here they haven't necessarily got the permission on the way back from the burial just to enter whichever field they like. But it could be that people would designate certain areas of their field for the sake of this, for people to use it on the way back from burials. So if somebody does designate a part of his field for the sake of being used as for this part of this process, the Dayonin, the judges of Tsipayri said, if he didn't specify how large of an area he's designating for this purpose, then Besarbas Kabin, it will be assumed that it would be an area of four base kav, an area where it's possible to plant four kav, as long as he didn't specify a different amount of land that he would give over. Mishnah Ches. During the times of the Mishnah, a common way for somebody to be buried would be inside of a cave, in the wall of the cave. And this Mishnah is going to th- go through the setup of these caves. And before we actually see it inside, just quickly outside, there would be a courtyard, and opening up from that courtyard would be caves. And often, an entire family would let's say, be buried in one particular cave. They'd have a family cave where all of their family members would be buried. And they would be buried in the walls of these caves. So there would be a number of holes carved into the walls of each cave. And again, the caves would open up into a courtyard. So the minister says, One who sells an area to his friend to make the, the person wants to use that area to make a grave. And this really means to make an entire setup of a cave with a courtyard and all of the holes within the caves. Similarly, one who accepts a job from somebody else, he accepts upon himself to make one of these caves. And they don't specify the dimensions. What is considered the general practice, the minimum dimensions for him to fulfill his obligation to dig these graves in the caves. So the Mishra says, You should make the inside of the cave, which opens up into the courtyard. Now we're talking about the actual cave where the people will be buried. So the inside has to be at least um, four by six amas. There'll be enough room for people to carry a dead body and to stand inside of the cave. And then they would push the body into one of these holes, holes which were dug into the wall of the cave. Eight kuchen would be opened up into the walls of the caves. A kuch is one of these holes, or not holes, but one of these areas in the, in the walls of the caves where the person will be buried. So there would be eight of them in this cave. Three of them on either side of the cave. For example, if you enter into the cave in one direction, so you've now got the opposite direction and the two sides. So on the two sides, there would be three kuchen, and two kuchen exactly opposite him if you'd walk in a straight line as he enters into that cave. Now the exact sides of the kuchen, says the Mishnah, that kuchen, they themselves would be orkon arba, amais, a length of four amas, so rumon shiva, a height of seven tefachim, v'rochman shisha, and a width of six tefachim, which is the same as one amar, and this would be large enough for a dead body to fit in there quite comfortably. Now, Shimon Omer Shimon says that actually the minimum dimensions are slightly larger. The inside of the cave where they would be standing and bring the dead body into there before pushing it into one of these kuchen, that would need to be not four by six amas, but six by eight amas. Sheish amas al six by eight amas. And you would open up into the walls of the cave, not eight kuchen, but thirteen kuchen. 
Our bar mekan varav mekan. It would be four kuchin on the two sides. Ushloish mekanegdon and three exactly opposite him as he walks into the cave. So there would be three kuchin straight ahead. And in addition, the wall which is directly opposite him as he would as he would enter the cave on the two corners over there. One on the right hand side of the entrance, literally, but it's referring to the opposite end of the cave on the right corner. And on the left corner, going diagonally, there would be enough room in the cave and in the walls of the caves for that to be the case. So those are all of the dimensions of the caves themselves. Now the Mishnah adds, They would make a courtyard at the opening of the cave, The courtyard would be six by six amas, which would which would be enough room for the coffin together with those who are burying and carrying the coffin. They'd, be, they'd stand in the courtyard, and going from that courtyard of Yisrael they would open up into that courtyard, two caves which we just discussed until now. One on each side of the courtyard. Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon says, Arba, they would actually have usually four caves opening up into the courtyard on each side. On each, on, on each of the four directions. Now, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says, it depends. It all depends on the hardness of the rock which they are, which they need to dig in order to make these caves. If it is very hard rock, then the understood agreement of the person who accepts upon himself to do this, to take on this job, if it's very hard rock, so then we assume that he's only going to do less, that he's only going to open up two caves from this courtyard, whereas if it's an easier rock to dig, then the understood agreement, unless specified otherwise, is that he would make the courtyard with four caves of the dimensions discussed on each of the four directions.